really when it comes to tripods from a backcountry perspective, especially is it's like a lot of backcountry gear. You can have of the three qualities, weight, price, durability, you can choose two, right? You can have something that's really light and really durable, but it's not going to be cheap. And the same way you can have something that's cheap and light, but it's not going to be durable. That really holds true for tripod. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune into another episode. I'm Sam Weaver, today's host of Tipsy Tuesday, a short segment covering rockslide.com tidbits, hunting news from across the West, with just a sprinkling of tips and tricks to keep you well informed. For your next adventure. Today's tipsy is all about one of the most essential but often overlooked pieces of gear I carry on almost every trip a tripod. I've asked Matt Cashel, Rockslide's own renowned optics guru, to walk us through some of the many tripods he's used over the years and what he thinks are the most important aspects of a tripod. Justin Crosley also joins us. Not only has Justin used dozens of tripods for his optics, he's currently been attending multiple shooting competitions where tripods are considered a critical equipment during the shoot. He'll weigh in on what features offer the most benefits when used as a shooting support. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us, Sam. Yeah, thanks, Sam. All right. Both of you guys have way more experience with multiple tripod setups than me. So let's start at the beginning. Aluminum versus carbon. Well, I'd say that uh, the biggest difference between aluminum and carbon is the weight. The advantage to carbon tripods are you save some ounces over a comparable aluminum tripod. Uh, but there's also some other differences like how cold they are to the touch in really cold weather. Of course, carbon fiber, it doesn't oxidize at all. Uh, most aluminum tripods don't have that problem either, but they're pretty resilient, the carbon ones. All right. So what do you think at durability-wise? They're about equal? I have a couple of tripods that uh, were aluminum. I have an old Slick 340EZ. I don't know how many years I've had it. 16 years, probably, something like that, and it's still going strong. Uh, and then I have an old Velbon carbon tripod that's a little bit bigger, actually, that I use from the truck a lot. And uh, it still looks like new. So I think durability-wise, they both can be really durable. I think it's less about the leg material than it is about the connective hardware. That seems to be the where I have issues. I don't know about Justin. Yeah, I, I agree that same. I think the, the joint up at the head, right? The, all the hinge points is a big uh, wear point. And then for sure, the uh, connective hardware at the leg joints, the uh, like I've had a, a slick carbon that's perfectly good shape still, except that the, uh, you know, the twist locks wear out and uh, you end up trashing them after a while. Yeah, I've run into trouble with the slick ultralight tripods as well because the um, shoulder joints are cast metal often, and in really cold weather, they tend to break. I don't know how many I've 
broken myself, maybe two or so. And then my hunting partners have broken them as well in that really cold weather. And I'm talking about below zero Fahrenheit. Yeah, I noticed a lot of the more budget-friendly options that people recommend on Amazon a lot have super thin leg connectors too. And that's what I always wonder if that's a problem for people. I know it's uh, something that gives me a little bit of concern there. As you go up in quality and in price point, you know, all the way up to the really high-end camera industry, tripods, like really right stuff, you get into machined connectors and everything is just more durable when it's machined. Outdoorsman's tripods are just like that. Everything is top quality and machined down to the thousandth. So you don't really worry about that durability with those tripods, but you have to pay for them. Really, when it comes to tripods from a backcountry perspective, especially is it's like a lot of backcountry gear. You can have of the three qualities, weight, price, durability, you can choose two, right? You can have something that's really light and really durable, but it's not going to be cheap. In the same way, you can have something that's cheap and light, but it's not going to be durable. That really holds true for tripods. A lot of people, you know, they start out with a pretty cheap tripod and then they say, well, who would spend that much money on a tripod? Well, it's a lot like optics. People start off with something kind of inexpensive and they think, oh, I'll just get by with that. And it can't, it's, at the store, it doesn't look that much different than the really expensive binocular. But then when you actually get out there and you're using it, you know, the value comes out in the higher end stuff and tripods are no different. Having a really stable tripod uh, makes the experience that much better. Let's break a tripod into the two parts for this discussion, the legs and the head. I know for a lot of people, they come together. That's not always the best choice. Let's talk about legs. What are you looking for in a quality set of legs on a tripod? Well, I'm always looking to meet those three criteria of cost, weight, and stability. Try to find something that's you know, good in all of those categories. And uh, I'm a big fan of the outdoorsman's tripods. I've been using an outdoorsman medium, which I, you know, is no longer available now they have the standard, but I've been using that set of legs for years just because it's good at everything and it's light enough. There's definitely lighter ones out there and it's, it's not terribly expensive, but it's worth every penny. I'm really interested in the new carbon version. Of course, price points quite a bit higher. But I think there is some advantages there, and it's really, what is it worth to me as the buyer or to you? And it might be worth something to me that it's not worth to you. So, Yeah, I agree with Matt for sure. Um, I don't use an Outdoorsman's, but only just because I've used some lightweight carbon for a long time as well. But the Outdoorsman's are kind of the benchmark, I think, that most of the rest of the tripods could kind of be compared to for sure. They're they're uh, super solid. They'll pretty much last forever. And if by some chance you do break something, the nice thing is you can pretty much replace any piece on it. Uh, which is cool. My go-to that I've kind of used for like a multi-purpose, you know, backcountry um, tripod for a long time is a Gitso that's sized about the same as that uh, outdoorsman's um, medium or standard size. And it's been, that's been working really good for me for a long time. One more thing I would mention too, like if I'm looking for, uh, you know, when I'm looking at the, the legs and the, and the hub section, right? I want something that of course is obviously going to make the right height that we need, right? Like, along with those things that Matt said. Um, so it depends on what your requirements are for getting to a max height. And then also I I want one that I can adjust the the angle of the legs quickly, um, more so for shooting than for um, glassing. But even for glassing, it's if it's a pain to like adjust the angle all the time, then I tend to not enjoy using the tripod. 
What do you guys think between heavy and and light there? You know, heavier, typically more stable, lighter, less stable, but there has to be some kind of trade-off. Yeah, I think uh, the taller you go, the heavier tripods are that much more beneficial and you can get away with a lighter tripod if your leg sections are shorter. Yeah, that makes sense. The tripod I use uh, from the pickup, like antelope hunting, that sort of thing, I mean, it's pretty big. Pretty heavy, and it's got a really big fluid head. A Manfrotto 500 on there. Uh, just, I'm not packing it anywhere, but it sure is nice. You can put your biggest spotter on there with a digiscoping setup, and it's just solid. You can use a fluid head to get good smooth pans especially if you're digiscoping. Yeah, I do the same thing. If I'm uh, if I'm hunting near the truck, like antelope or, or you know, more of a road-based hunt of any kind, I'll tend to use a full-size, almost like a full-size shooting tripod with a big heavy head on it, just because it's so much more stable the, the more weight you add to it. We kind of hit on it, but the physical leg connection to the center sections, there are certain types that are more prone to break, like Matt was talking about. I guess the question is, is that something that concerns us when we're shopping around? Is that something we look at or not really? It's a It's a pretty big issue for me just there's it is pretty frustrating when you're at your glassing spot that you hiked hours in the dark to get to and you set up your spot and scope and then you have to glass off a bipod for the rest of the day because the connection broke and to have that happen more than once yeah it's a it's a concern of mine and that's why all of the tripods I use now use that machined aluminum connection that is more durable and I haven't had any trouble since. All right, now for the age-old question, twist locks versus lever lock. Is there a preference? I mean, do you think one holds better than the other or it's just kind of personal what you get used to and what you like to use? To me, I tend to like the twist locks better and my reason is is really more for the shooting side. For glassing, I don't really care that much. Um, I'll use either. But for shooting especially, I can extend all the legs at the same time, right, as far as loosening them. So I just reach up with one hand and unlock all the legs and slide them and then just quickly go up the back up the leg and tighten them. So for shooting in particular, for me, it's faster. Depending on how you have the the lever locks adjusted, you could kind of do the same thing, flick them all open at the same time. I will say if I was going to use a more budget tripod, like a lesser quality one, I would go with leg locks or the flick locks instead of the twist locks because that's a thing that I've had a lot of trouble with cheaper tripods. I really am a flip lock guy. I like them way better than the twist locks. I've had a number of twist locks, including those slicks that we've talked about and they're super convenient yeah you can turn them all kind of with one twist and get it deployed quickly that's good but it doesn't seem like i could ever get them just tightened down the same way and then i have one leg that's collapsing and they're using you know there's just more consistency with a with a lever lock especially when it when it's a lever lock i like the kind that are adjustable so you can use an allen wrench and tension each one the same and so you know that it's either closed or open and if it's closed it's going to hold i really like lever locks i do a lot more glassing off my tripod than i do shooting although i do like to use them for shooting too i can deal with the the slight delay over the twist locks for my uses i just like knowing when i have that lever lock closed that my tripod's not going to collapse on me onyx hunt is the number one gps hunting app in the industry and one reason they're leading is because they're continually providing updates to the onyx hunt app updates like the new onyx in dash navigation suite from the time you slide into the seat of your vehicle, viewing Onyx Hunt with CarPlay and Android Auto allows you to easily flow from Onyx to the road in front of you, ensuring you know exactly where you are and how to get where you're heading. Want directions to a certain point in the Onyx Hunt app, but don't want to keep glancing at your phone? Use the Navigate To feature to navigate to your saved waypoints. This is true off-road navigation for hunters. 
you can now use the Onyx Hunt app hands-free and have access to your map markups, public-private boundaries, routing, offline maps, and more. Do it all from the seat of your truck. If you're ready to make the jump, save 20% by using the code ROCKCAST at checkout. And I'm kind of an outlier here. My tripod is a Bruton carbon tripod that they discontinued, and I basically cut all the leg sections off and epoxy it together so I only have a single leg section that has a twist lock on it. When I set it up, it's the perfect height for my scope. I'm, I'm sure most people don't want to do it that way, but uh, for me, the twist lock really doesn't hang up and, and whatnot when I'm putting it in and out of the, the pocket I carry it in, so I kind of like that where a lever lock hangs out just a little bit more, but like I said, I, both of you guys brought up some great points there. Okay, moving on to heads. Basically, there's two kinds, a ball head and a panning head. Do you guys kind of want to explain what the difference is? Ball heads are, are just what they sound like. They're a ball that has a tension device, and so you can hold Hold whatever you're stabilizing on the head at whatever angle you want uh, just by moving the head around and then tensioning it to the ball. The pan heads generally have a tilt and pan function that are independent of each other. I think that the, the advantages are pretty obvious that you can quickly get to any angle you want with a ball head. You, if your legs aren't level, you can level them up immediately. A lot of ball heads have a level on them that will tell you that you've hit level quickly. Uh, I really like them for shooting off of. Pan heads are really nice because you can, if you're grid glassing, you can just set it up and run left to right or up and down and know you're on the right track and then adjust from there. I like them both. I, I really like that Wiser Precision pan head that was on my list of favorite gear from last year. It's just super light, but really strong and really smooth. You can independently adjust pan and tilt. Uh, but I also have a Leofoto head that uh, it's the MH35, which is a ball head with a handle for tensioning. And lately I've been shooting off that. It's just intuitive to use. You can just line up on your target and tension it down and you have a steady rest. But I've also been using my spotting scope and tripod mounted binoculars off of it. And I think it's like anything. If you use it enough, you get you get used to it and you get proficient using it. You can uh, make the most out of it. No, I agree 100% with Matt. I've tended to go towards ball heads a lot over the years because of the multi-use. Uh, you can shoot off a pan head, but like he mentioned, is trying to get the, the everything level. You have to have your base pretty much leveled perfectly with the pan head, um, especially if you're trying to shoot off of it. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna glass and shoot, I'm pretty much gonna always try to go with the high quality ball head. I guess the next thing we always like to talk about: heavy versus light. Is there a trade off there? I guess is the new technology and the lightweight pretty much uh, balance it out. Yeah, when it comes to heads, there's definitely a trade off. Like that heavy duty Manfrotto 500 head. That's a fluid head. Uh, everything's just easier with it. It's just like the legs. You know, you just, it's just more stable. It holds more weight and it holds the same amount of weight better than the lighter heads do. The Wiser Precision head definitely outperforms its size. And I would put the Outdoorsman's Pan head in there also. For their size, they just hold weight better than most other heads their size. They're still not going to, you know, compete with the stability of a head that's three times the size and weight. We kind of hit on it at the first, but budget versus sky's the limit tripod. Well, I like good gear. So 
generally good gear costs more than okay gear. So I just got a test uh, sample of the new Outdoorsman's Inegra Carbon tripod. It's impressive right out of the box. It'll be interesting to see how it performs in the field. It's a good piece of equipment. Everything, all the fit and finish is perfect. So uh, I've used high-end camera tripods also. You certainly don't need them, but it's it's the same with optics. You know, you don't need a Swarovski NL binocular, but they are better than mid and entry-level binoculars from any manufacturer. So, you know, you get what you pay for. Definitely a case of diminishing returns. I like that uh, these hunting-specific companies like Outdoorsman's are kind of pushing the envelope on there, bringing that level of quality to our world and the hunting market. I agree with uh, I agree with Matt for sure. You, you really do, I think, get what you pay for. There's some, uh, you know, some of like I'd say mid to upper tier tripods and heads that are that are really really good as well. I'm also interested to see mostly because you know really right stuff's been putting out some great gear for a long time, but they're always stinking back orders, so you can never get any. I think that's probably the best thing about having outdoorsman's doing the same or similar, you know, kind of a product now is at least you're gonna have two sources, so it's gonna be a lot less of a pain to get a good tripod when you want one. You buy um, a lower grade, you might end up like you were talking about, Justin, just having to twist locks wear out or or something. I mean, you're just you're not getting the same level of quality. I say buy what you can afford, you know, and still go hunting because it doesn't make much sense for you to spend $1,500 on a tripod and then not hunt that year. You know, like the point is to be out there hunting. So if uh, you got to evaluate those purchase decisions based on what your your budget is uh, personally and so that you can get out there and do the thing that we all love to do and that's chase those animals around the woods. Well, let me ask you this. I'm thinking about upgrading to a bigger fodder, but I don't know that I necessarily have a great tripod. I do have like like my truck tripod is a slick aluminum. I don't even know. I spray painted it, so I have no idea what it is. But I mean, if you were going to upgrade, I guess, one system, what which way would you lean? Would you get a, a nice tripod and, and headset up first or invest in the optic? I mean, they're kind of one without the other, huh? Yeah, I think matching them is a good idea as long as you can afford it. I mean, if you can only do one or the other, then uh, I think I would go a little bit lower on the tripod costs and just carry a little extra weight, but still have the stability I need for that high-end optic that's a little bigger. It's kind of like a $5,000 custom rifle with a $300 scope, you know. It's good to match what you have. If you're spending $4,000 on your spotting scope, get a good tripod to put on it. You know, if you can afford that scope, you you can probably afford a pretty nice tripod. Caveat to that that I would say is if you're really strapped and you're like, you know, hey, I have a spotting scope that does kind of work and I'm thinking about upgrading one or the other, I might spend a little more on the tripod in that case in the in the sense that it'll make your binoculars a lot better as well. And you don't truly need a spotting scope unless you're generally like trophy hunting or, you know, you have a maybe an antler restriction uh, where you're hunting. You can get by a lot with just a decent pair of binoculars and a good tripod and also go smaller. If you go a little shorter, right? Or like he said, you go a little heavier, you can get a stable tripod uh, without spending tons of money um, versus if you want one that's full standing height and light, it's going to, and also quality, it's going to be very expensive. All right. Do you guys have any recommendations there? You know, I I will say this. I've been a big fan of not, not for backcountry, but for like all the shooting sports stuff that I do and the coyote hunting that I do at night and things like that. I'm a very big fan of the Vortex Radian, which is not a super high end 
end. It kind of falls right in that thousand dollar range for the tripod and a head. But the nice thing about that is it is very stable and it's solid. That's one of those those pieces of equipment that I do enjoy having a good warranty when I back over it with the truck or or just they just get beat up for the kind of use that I'm doing to where I wouldn't necessarily benefit from spending the money on a really right stuff, right? They're going to also have a good warranty and a, and a little bit nicer tripod. I'm going to wear that out as well. And so it's nice knowing that Vortex is just going to replace that no matter what. So in that case, I like that setup. And so far over the years, I have had no uh, no reason to switch from a Getzo for my uh, backcountry, right? I think it's a it's a Traveler series, the, the 1545T, I think it's called. It kind of meets all those things that I'm looking for. It's fairly lightweight. It's versatile as far as height and things like that and stable. And it's just super robust. It's I've had no trouble with it in, in a lot of years, like probably 10, 15 years of use. What, what are you using on a head for? I use the Outdoorsman's pan head the most with it. Although that was more toward, you know, from the times before I started shooting off of them as much. What I would go with now is either the uh, the Anvil 30. To me, that's like the best. If you're going to shoot a lot off of it, that's the best head there is or a quality ball head. So my go-to setup is the Outdoorsman's tripod uh, with the Outdoorsman's pan head. Although I did switch over and use the Wiser Precision Nighthawk, that Arca compatibility was just too convenient. So it'll be interesting to see the upgraded Arca Outdoorsman's head. I think that for just general all-around use, it's really hard to beat that. I guess to close out, Justin, do you want to touch on what you look for in a shooting tripod? I know you kind of talked about it over the Vortex, but if you want to dial in kind of what happens at the competition, kind of what you're seeing there and how you're kind of leaning. What I would say is, uh, yeah, with with competition, the the weight is not nearly as big of a concern, right? So you can get, just go get a a robust aluminum or carbon tripod that that meets the height requirements that you're going to want, right? And stability is going to be way more important than just about anything else. Being able to, you know, manipulate it quickly and then having stability is what you're looking for. For like backcountry hunting and, and serving the same purpose, the only real thing that I look for is I want a tripod without a center column. That, that rises in, you know, that, that like a separate salt center column, uh, because that tends to add a lot of shake and wobble to the tripod. I can drop it down to the bottom and, it, and get away with it fine for glassing. It's not a big deal, but for shooting, you tend to see, notice that a lot more. I want uh, a tripod with a solid, you know, center hub with no, no, uh, center column if I'm going to use it for both purposes. Interesting. Never even thought about that. I guess that's almost a specialty tripod. Most of them have a center column, I would say for the most part. Yeah. One, one that's, uh, that I do like, it's, it's kind of like not perfect for anything, but it's kind of a really good good all around, you know, mid, mid cost, uh, tripod that works really well for shooting and glassing is the Revit, the Hunter stabilizer tripod that they make. And they have a decent ball head on it. It's nothing special, but it, it shoots fine and it's decent for glassing. And I think it runs like right around 500 bucks. It's obviously imported, but it doesn't have a center column. It's uh it's a good, good mix, right? It's not super small or light. It's not expensive. It's a decent one to kind of start off with if you want to use it for both purposes. I do like a center column for glassing just because you can stay in one position and glass more country if you're if you're spending a lot of time glassing large areas, which I often do. But I understand what Justin is saying about the stability once you once you extend that column. So one good compromise there, I think, for, for people that are going to shoot off their tripod but are gonna spend most of their time using it for glassing and they do like a center column is to use one of those heads like we were talking about one of the good ball heads like that uh, Leo Photo MH30 that's got the handle on it because it's it's sort of uh, a compromise between both worlds and you can leave the center column down for stability. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I know I learned more than I ever thought I would about a tripod. I think it's easy to say they're important, but when you 
lay out the details and the particulars about why each thing's important to you. It makes a lot more sense when we're looking to upgrade or to buy our first tripod. So I appreciate that. You guys want to leave anything as we close out? Well, thanks for having me on, Sam. Yep. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Be glad to talk to you again soon, I hope. If you guys have any questions for Justin Crosley, you can reach him on Instagram at Crosley0102 or on the Rockslide forum as Justin Crosley. Matt Cashel can be found on Instagram as bitterroot underscore bulls or as Matt Cashel on the Rockslide forum. Staying with the Rockslide.com happenings, that's R-O-K-S-L-I-D-E dot com. The review articles are found on the homepage. Tony Treach has a review article on the Sika Mountain Evo Jacket. Tony takes us through the Evo compared to its predecessor, the Mountain Jacket. All the new features are laid out for us. Tony walks us through his testing process. Find out if the new Evo claimed the spot as Tony's new favorite jacket or not. Travis Bertrand is back with his Bulgara MG Light review. Is this lightweight chassis rifle right for you? Travis takes us through the paces of what features make this rifle so appealing. Travis also used this combo in a few factory class competitions with great success. Will he be carrying it this fall for hunting season? You'll need to read his article and find out. If you're looking for an epic thread on bullets matter more than head stamps, head on over to the firearms forum and find a comfy chair as this thread is nearly 4,000 posts long. Read the pros and cons of using a 223 for bear, deer, elk, and moose. Yep, it's all that and more, including the pictures to back up the hype. Is a 223 a do-it-all cartridge? I know my eyes were open to many things after diving into this thread head first. Now, on to the news. Coming out of Wyoming is a crazy proposal from Representative John Winner, a Republican out of Thermopolis. During an agricultural committee meeting, Representative Winner piped up that hunting alone will never reduce elk numbers to their targeted objective levels. As an alternative, he suggests commissioning a helicopter crew to gun down overpopulated herds that are eating valuable grass, busting fences, and simply giving ranchers headaches. Representative John Eklund, the committee co-chair, questioned whether elk killed needed to be processed. Can they just be gunned down and let the coyotes take care of the rest? First, Wyoming works at reducing non-resident hunting opportunities and now wants to use state money to gun down and leave to waste elk. These are crazy times to be a hunter, that's for sure. Montana is seeking comments on its newest draft of the elk management plan. Elk hunters interested in how Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks manages elk can have a chance to weigh in before July 31st. The plan is available to view on FWP's website. The plan aims to balance habitat capacity, landowner tolerance, and elk hunter feedback in crafting population goals and bull-to-cow ratios. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is investigating a moose attack on a 50-year-old man who was out walking his dog. The man came around a hairpin corner and surprised a cow moose in her calf. The moose charged and knocked him down and stomped on him several times. The man was armed and fired two shots into the ground, startling the moose and hazed them from the area. Remember, during late spring and early summer, moose can be aggressive while their calves are young. Use caution when moose are spotted during this time. Be careful out there. Until next time, this has been... 
Sam Weaver.